This is Winning IR, a podcast exploring the diverse insights within the IR community. Join me, Mark Faskin, as I sit down with IROs and other IR stakeholders to discuss the winning strategies, tactics, and shifts in thinking that are redefining the profession. There is no doubt that investor relations is a stressful, fast-paced role within a public company. Whether it's dealing with earnings calls, putting out fires, managing large transactions, or managing the ins and outs of how your company is perceived in the public markets. But what happens when you step into an IR role and face numerous executive departures, news headlines, and challenging financial results? Today's guest is Andrea Daly, who took on the VP of IR role at Dents Ply Sirona in 2021. Andrea and her team have managed IR at the company through numerous market challenges and have come out for the better. Previously, Andrea has held numerous finance roles at healthcare companies, including 15 years at Cardinal Health. This is a great episode about managing IR through crises, and I'm really excited to share Andrea's learnings with you on today's episode. So, Andrea, this may be one of the most action-packed, drama-filled episodes that we've ever done. I'm just kidding, but here's a good story. But to give a little bit of history on the story, I mean, you joined Densply Serona in May of 2021. You're about a year in, starting to get your wits about you. And the EVP and CFO resigns, CEO leaves the company, and ongoing investigation into certain reporting matters gets kicked off. A lot to handle 12 months into a, a new role. So I guess the first question is, how did you go about communicating the departure of the CEO and CEO and the investigation out to the investment community? Yeah. Well, first, Mark, thanks for having me uh, on today's episode. Really excited to be part of the podcast. I've been in the listener mode, and so it's fun to participate now in in the, the speaker mode. Regarding the initial announcement, and one thing I should mention just around around my background, I've been in a whole variety of finance roles in healthcare my entire career, going on 20 years now, but I was only about a year into the IR function. So many things were new to me. And like you said, I was just at this point where I felt like I was really hitting our stride of the key activities that we were doing in IR. And, and this was, was certainly a unique one. And we went about communicating it via the normal channels as we had to with a Form 8K to the SEC and a press release. That went with that. I think one thing that was helpful of the circumstances was that it didn't all happen at the same time. It was in close timing, but it was separate. And I think we did have some tools that we were able to leverage in terms of how these things get communicated. We're not the only company who has ever had a change in a CEO and CFO. There were some unique circumstances, but there were still some aspects of that in terms of how you communicate and how you're required to communicate that were essentially guardrails for us. So all of those things, I think, really were helpful. I will say, once we announced these things, there is very quickly, I think, a market reaction and and folks very interested and eager to speak with you as an organization. And so that was a really key aspect that my team had to react to very quickly. News travels very quickly once you put it out there. And so I would say within five minutes or so, we've got folks reaching out, hey, can I catch you real quick? And with high volume, we had to figure out a method of the madness. And so we set up these callback schedules as part of that. And I think that was really helpful for us to quickly get a structure to say, hey, we will call you at this time and to just set up 15 minute increments, whether it was 10 or 20. Certainly all of our sell siders pretty much wanted to connect. Some of our large holders wanted to also connect. Again, happened in fairly short order and within an hour or two. 
we were pretty much done with that, but there was a flurry of activity that happened. So after doing that the first time with our CFO announcement, we were very well prepared for that for the second announcement. And I think having some of that additional structure in terms of how we were going to handle inbound was very helpful for us. That's great. And, and so in addition to that, what were some of the sort of partners or, or groups that you pulled in to sort of help in that communication? And but what were some of the steps you took? I mean, you talked about the, the callback schedule and everything, but like, how did you decide on what you were going to say and how you were going to position it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think these types of announcements are really important to be prepared for. And so certainly we had a well-prepared set of talking points, a Q&A document as we think about what would investor questions be and, and try to make sure we've got a very good set of concise talking points. Again, these callbacks were very quick, so we needed to be really concise in what we said, and we needed to make sure that we were consistent in what we said. And so I think things like that are very helpful to be prepared for on the front end. The other thing that I think is really important is the tight partnership inside the organization with our public relations and communications team, with our legal team. We kind of work hand in hand with those teams all the time, our SEC reporting team because of the AK filings. But I would say with the PR and communications team and the legal team in particular, as we thought about this message not only goes externally, but it's also an impactful inside the organization. And so how do we think about the messaging that we share outside and inside the organization? How does the cascade and the timeline of all of that work? And then what are the respective documents like the Talking Points Q&A documents? Certainly our internal team was thinking about things like, you know, we're going to need to host a town hall for employees. And so there were other facets to it where we each kind of wore our own hat, but we wanted to make sure there was consistency and we were very thoughtful in the cascade of communication. And so after the departure of the CEO and CFO, there were interim replacements for both of those roles. And so how did you work with them? Like, what was the focus from an IR perspective when you had those interim executives in place? Because it seems like it's probably somewhat difficult when you have these interim executives. And so how did you get the most out of that time? I mean, they're only in there for a few months. Yeah, I mean, they were with us for about six months. And I think we were fortunate with the interim leaders that we had for two reasons in terms of acceleration. One was that the interim CEO was a member of our board and so had familiarity with the organization. And the other was that our interim CEO and CFO had been a working team in the past for a public company in MedTech. And I think that was tremendously helpful as it is with any new CEO or CFO is that experience that they already bring in terms of engaging with investors, familiarity with how a quarterly earnings call works, the preparations that go into that. And then on the back end of that, how you communicate and talk with investors, the different types of investors. All of that, I think, was tremendously helpful that they had very strong working rapport already with each other, but then were able to come into the organization and partner with functions like mine and IR and quickly be prepared for an earnings call. So, you know, they joined us and then Within a, a matter of weeks, we were actually doing the first earnings call. So that was something that that certainly took some ep- extra preparation to make sure that you know, everybody was comfortable and that the company would be able to articulate earnings and show up well in in that call. And so uh, you also had to sort of mention that when you had this interim C- CEO and CFO from an IR perspective, it was pretty 
they were pretty internally focused, right? So I think it seems to me as though, but correct me if I'm wrong, it was really about like, let's keep the lights on. Let's talk, keep talking to investors. Let's keep the relationships strong, but we're not necessarily going out on road shows and trying to identify new investors at that time. Is that correct? Yeah, we had started some of that work in my first year or so in the role. And it was interesting because when I started in the IR function here, it was 2021. And so there was still a lot of investor events that were still getting back to normal, right? In terms of, is this going to be virtual? Is this going to be in person? What do these engagements look like? Are investors letting folks come into their offices or are they doing everything virtually? So there was still, I would say, a fair amount in that first year where things still looked a bit different. Through this process, so we were just, I was planning in 2022 to really start to ramp and think about the deeper engagement, going in person, doing investor roadshows in certain geographies. And so obviously we pivoted that because it, it certainly made sense with an interim leadership team that, you know, because of the temporary nature of the role, they weren't going to be building strong relationships with investors over the long term. And so I think we were a bit more on the side of, a more traditional process following an earnings call where we wanted to talk about the earnings results and our C-suite was very present in that. I would say sell-side relationships were largely maintained by the IR team. We knew the, the, the sell-side analysts and their teams prior to. We engaged with them throughout the transitions. And so we were the point of commonality and consistency through that. So historically prior and, and now with, with, our, with our new leadership team, sell-side analysts and our buy-siders and even targets are all very interested in getting to know the leadership team. But I think given the temporary nature, it was a little bit more on an as-request basis. So do you find that that changed the role of IR within the company because you became sort of the front line? Did the relationships change over time? Yeah, I mean, I not entirely. I think it was important for IR to be fairly consistent and we weren't going to not engage with sell-siders or buy-siders. We wanted to be that representative. We certainly continue that to the extent that we could. We continue to plan where we could. I think we had to be, it was more difficult to be as proactive as we would in, in a typical year because of the timing of things. And so I would say we were a bit more reactive or we would plan for things in more short order versus this year I was, we were working on the calendar right from the start of the year, looking at a 12 month period there. It was, we were really looking kind of quarter to quarter or taking requests and calls as needed. That's great. And so you get through the six month period. Fortunately, you, you find a new full-time CEO and CFO to come on board. Things are maybe starting to get a little bit back to normal. How did you onboard that the the new management team, like the new CEO and CFO? Was it the same process that you followed with the interim team members? Like what did you learn through that process in terms of how you can quickly onboard the CEO and CFO as it relates to the IR program? Yeah, I think there were some learnings in terms of preparedness for an earning cycle with a new leadership team that we did carry forward from when we had our interim leaders to when we got the the new permanent CEO, CFO in, in place. So I think that was tremendously helpful. How much time do we need? What is available to, to share with them? We were able to do a lot of that. I think repeat that process of onboarding and that, that part was helpful. 
It was quite different, though, in the terms of how we wanted to go out and introduce the new CEO and CFO who joined us in fairly short order. So there was about a two-week or so period of time in between. So we did do each one individually, but we, we followed a more formal process of introducing them to the investment community. We certainly had some additional activities that followed with the new leadership team that we didn't necessarily do with the interim team. Awesome. Super important. Now that you've got that, that full-time management team in, how has the IR program changed? Like, How is it different from that maybe interim period or even before your, your previous team had, had left the positions? Yeah, I would say it's been really nice to be able to be proactive and really think about the, the outreach that we can do with our program. Now that we've had a couple of quarters of, of our earnings cycle, I think we've got that rapport with the leaders. We understand the preparedness that we go through. We've really been able to work to optimize our process, and that's been positive. But we've we've done a lot in the way of investor engagement and events. And that, I mentioned that when I first joined the organization in 2021, much of events and things were still in this kind of hybrid or, or virtual setting or just getting back to in-person setting. We missed a lot of those in 2022. So 2023, this year was really an opportunity for us to get out on the road with our new leaders and try a whole host of different formats to do that. And that has really been positive for us. For instance, we've hosted tours here in our headquarters where we have a, a, a clinical academy. I think that's been really positive for investors, small groups of investors to come into our offices. We've gone directly to them. We've participated in many conferences in different geographies, had a great opportunity to partner with a lot of our sell-side analysts this year and really reach investor targets and tell our story with the new leadership team in a way that has allowed us to think about how we can continue to diversify out our shareholder base. Well, that sort of leads to my next question, which is, we talked about this on our, in a previous call, we were saying sort of, it was almost like you were doing this wartime investor relations, right? Like everything was on fire. But I'm sure there's a lot of difficult conversations and long nights. And so now you're transitioning back into maybe like normal time, peacetime investor relations, if you will. What's that change been like? Like what, what's different? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you now have the opportunity to do some more creative things and try different formats and do more marketing. Are there other things that you find are different or, or learnings that you would share? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, for me, Personally, I, I always operate better in a, a proactive versus reactive manner. I will say that having gone through that period of time, I think we really formulated stronger bonds as a team and are pretty resilient now. We can react and we can react quickly. And we, even if it's something we haven't encountered before, we know that there's a means to get through that. And so I think even just thinking about some of the different type of supporting resources that we have, if we need to react quickly to something. I feel much more confident in what those are. And so I think that's a positive and a learning and a, a skill that's built out of that. But I love the opportunity to think and, and build things proactively to have some degree. And there's never full predictability in IR. Every single day could be something different. But overall, being able to set a calendar for a 12-month period, even to pencil it in, I think is tremendously helpful. And it, and it just allows us the opportunity to like you said, think creatively, what else, where should we go deeper? Where should we tell our story better? So I love the opportunity to really think about it's not just a rinse and repeat, but it's like this continuous improvement and all what else. And when you're in that 
peacetime, I think you can see those things a lot more clearly or you just have the bandwidth, the capacity to be able to take on some of those things. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I mean, I think that that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, many of many of the people are, are sort of newer to IR. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy that you went through this whole situation with really a year of, of investor relations experience under your belt. A lot of what you're experiencing is sort of for the first time, right? Like you said, like your first earnings call and obviously having your first sort of interim CEO and CFO. So what were some of the resources that you leaned on to figure out how to navigate this situation? Because I think that you know, a lot of people in the, our community, it's like there isn't necessarily a university course on investor relations and we've got certification programs and stuff. But what were some of the people and resources you leaned on to figure some of these things out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do think like we talked about with announcing a, a C-suite change, I, I there are other organizations that I've done. And I think one of the things that's been tremendously helpful to me, not just in that year, but overall in my time at IR is just the network of other IR professionals and the importance of building that and being able to see other examples of how a company did something like introduce a new CEO or CFO. And in fact, now that we have that experience, I've shared that with other IROs who are going through a transition and they'll call and say, hey, we're getting ready to plan when we're thinking about onboarding our new CFO, we announced our CFO leaving. What were the types of tactics and things that you did to introduce a new C-suite member to the investment community? So I think it's so helpful to think about these scenarios and then be able to share ideas and what worked and what didn't work. So Neary's been a great resource for that. We've also participated in, you know, over the last few years in things like uh, Ravel has the Intelligence Council. I think being able to look at examples or, or quickly pull things down, I think is it's been tremendously helpful. And then we, in that period of time, have even had external partners. So when we think about PR or crisis communication type stuff, there are advisory firms out there that do, that, that live in crisis day in and day out. And so I think just have a playbook for how some of those things work. And then internally, we have folks that had similar experiences. I have a, a person on my team who did IR in another organization and had gone through a C-suite change. So Every time you may go through this, it, it may look a little bit different, but at the same time, there are some things that can be learned from past experiences and leveraged. I think all of those things externally and internally were helpful. Awesome. And because of this podcast, you may be getting some emails or, or nearing messages on how to navigate this type of situation. <laughs> so I guess sort of for my last question, I mean, there, there's so much, I'm sure there's a lot that you learned from going through this process, as you mentioned about. IR and how to introduce executives to the investment community and how do you just figure some of these things out and be proactive. What is your biggest takeaway from this experience? Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint, I think, just one biggest takeaway. But you know, one thing I've definitely reflected on, and I think there are so many applications to this, is, is just the importance sometimes of showing up. I think there was periods of time where that was difficult because it's nice to have all the answers, but the reality is in IR, sometimes you either don't have all the answers or you can't share all of the answers. And that's really important to understand. And But to be able to listen to feedback, to be able to provide clarity, to be able to show up in a consistent way as, as much as possible. And the example for us of even the sell-side relationships through that whole period of time, I mean, we have 13 covering analysts. So it was, it was a lot of people, but I think the importance of maintaining a relationship even if you don't have an update for somebody, just that just show up, I think it is so critically important. And there's, like I said, a lot of even broader application of that. 
And then I think the other thing that I feel really positive about now is the being able to surround yourself with good partners and teams in times where you need to react quickly or it's uncharted. And perhaps you've seen a sliver of that situation or have an experience and someone else does. And I think about kind of the triangle in our organization between PR communications, our legal function, and IR. It's so important to have those internal partners that you work really well with, as well as where you have advisory or external partners to just to be able to surround yourself with really good people so that you can get to the best possible results quickly. And so I think all of that was really positive. I think of, I could describe it as we were in the trenches together. And so it really, I think, fostered strong and trusting relationships amongst us. That's great. Andrea, this has been so helpful. It's a super interesting story, lots of useful insights. So thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Winning IR. For more winning ideas, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Irwin, a better way to manage investor relations. For more information, visit www.getirwin.com.